Hi there, this is Kent Roundy at USH Med Student here with another podcast. We're trying to finish up a series on treatment-resistant depression, and that has evolved into something a little bit broader. It's been led by Brandon and uh, his wonderful fiance, Natalie. How about if we do some introductions and uh, pick up from there? Hi, I'm Brandon. I'm a fourth-year medical student at Rocky Vista. Hi, I'm Natalie Pratt, another fourth year from Rocky Vista. Hi, I'm Angelo Garcia, a third year from Rocky Vista, planning on doing a future podcast with you. <laughs> Excellent, you're very brave. <laughs> and I'm Rhett Dotson, third year uh, here with Angelo. Uh, and I'm Cam Meekum. I've done a podcast with Dr. Randy before. Uh, might do another podcast, whatever the situation calls for. Yeah, we're kind of looking forward to see what this rotation brings about. Cam is going into emergency medicine. I think we've mentioned that before. Just got back from an audition rotation in uh, Austin. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, I think Natalie and Brandon will take just a second since this podcast is going to be a little bit shorter than some. You guys have some audition rotations set up pretty soon as well. Where's your next rotation? Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada. That's where we'll be next, yeah. <laughs> You're going just in time. I think it will start cooling down there in the next couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> very good, very good. All right, so um, last uh, podcast we talked about, I think, oddball uh, or TCAs. Tricyclics. Tricyclics. Tricyclics, and the take-home point was what? They work really well for depression, but they have a lot of side effects. Oh, that's really, really great, and it seemed like if you can remember two things, they are... Siggy caps, sleep, interest, guilt, energies, uh, concentration, appetite, psychomotor, and suicide. And I think the effects of anticholinergics. Oh, like hot as a hat, or hot as a hair. Hot as a hair, dry as a bone. Yeah. Mad as a hatter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, TCAs have those uh, anticholinergic effects, right? Mm -hmm. All right, so let's talk about MAOI inhibitors, monoamine oxidase inhibitors. We've got four medications that kind of uh, rise to the top here, even though there are a few more than that. Um, two or three seem to be uh, non-selective MAOI medications. The other one seems to be more selective for monoamine oxidase B. So let's tar start off with um, the highlights, the, the things you really need to know for the exam. What's the most important thing you need to know um, principle-wise for the shelf exams, the board exams uh, that you'll be taking? And well, I'm willing to have anybody jump in here. <laughs> well, most important things to know, I guess you need some background about how the medications work before you can really go into the side effects of them, when the side effects are always the most important feature. Um, so MAOIs, monoamine oxidase inhibitors, are the medications. They work on a couple of different types of enzymes, MAOAs and MAOBs, so two different types of monoamine oxidases. And uh, MAOAs, they break, they break down serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine, and they also break down tyramine, which is commonly found in foods, you know, cheeses and red wines and smoked meats and tons of others if you guys want to add a few. Fava beans, I think. <laughs> I, I didn't know that one. We also, Fear. so not just <laughs> anything aged, right? If you think aged products, you're going to be fairly safe. The other thing that surprised me, though, was the, the way that this is important, right? So the MAOB, 
uh-huh. is found more in the brain. Uh-huh. It, it seems it appears to just break down dopamine. It doesn't have as much of an effect on the other neurotransmitters I mentioned. And then the monoamine oxidase A, in a lot of places, but one of those places in the gut, may be protective against other amines coming in and causing problems with blood pressure. Uh-huh. So I, I was kind of intrigued how that happened. Do you want to describe that, Brandon? Well, when so MAOA is in your gut as well as other places, and so when you you know eat uh, tyramine, which is a protein find in several foods we mentioned, if you don't, if that enzyme isn't functioning at capacity, then you will have uh, unaltered tyramine enter systemic circulation, and it will displace nep- norepinephrine. Norepinephrine is that my Norepinephrine, right? yeah. And uh, well, that will get released and have and exert its effect, and so you will get the hypertension, the most notably, most most dangerously hypertensive crisis potentially. I think they defined that hypertensive crisis. What was the blood pressure on that? 180 over 120. 180 over 120, and then not just the blood pressure alone, but you needed to have some sort of organ. And organ damage. Or and organ effect. Effects, so yeah. uh, migraine or not migraines, but headaches, nausea, or vomiting, diaphoresis, and uh, among other things. Mm-hmm. The thing that intrigued me was it, it helped me make more sense of why we also avoid. Um, the cough medicines as well, because those cough medicines have um, amines, biogenic amines in them mm-hmm. that would also cross the the uh, gut barrier, right, and also go into those synaptic vesicles and displace the norepinephrine and pushing that norepinephrine out, causing that hypertensive crisis. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I couldn't find the treatment in the package inserts in preparation for these discussions. I usually review the package inserts. I couldn't find the treatment for hypertensive crisis from monoamine oxidase inhibitors, but you guys seem to all know that from Sketchy, and we're not <laughs> an advertisement for Sketchy, but what was that answer? It's phentolamine. Phentolamine. So uh, if somebody comes in and has eaten aged cheese and wine with their monoamine oxidase inhibitor, then phentolamine, if their blood pressure is 180 over 120 or higher, mm-hmm. and they're having symptoms, physical symptoms of the of the condition. Right, and that makes sense because it's an alpha-1 and alpha-2 blocker, and now think back to what norepinephrine acts on, so it should logically make sense, right? It should if you remember every picture <laughs> from Sketchy Farm. I'm so imp- I, I have to tell you guys, I'm so impressed with what you guys learned uh, in pharmacology. You guys seem to have great memories and great tools to learn with. Now, we, we also talked about not just treatment of the the hypertensive crisis. I think we've also seen it written as tyramine crisis in a few places, um, but I think the package inserts usually refer to it as hypertensive crisis. Um, there was also the, the treatment if you see the hypertensive crisis coming, and, and Natalie, I think you read more about that. Right, so if you see prodromal symptoms like the headache, the nausea, and you're kind of aware that they're on an MAOI, the best thing to do is just continue that MAOI as soon as possible. And then Phentolamine as well, if that's available too. Yeah. You look like you have a question. I don't have a question. You look <laughs> like you have a question. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about now that we know, kind of th- that seems to be the the crux of the big questions that come yeah. in in the principles that are tested, right? So let's talk about high yield principles for 
shelf board exams. Where do you go from there now? Uh, we, I think we really just covered the biggest thing with MAOIs as, uh, is the, the tiering crisis. Because MAOIs aren't used a whole much anymore. Are they in your experience? Used Not very much. much. Yeah. They are used. What intrigued me was one of the packages, I think it was for tranylcipramine, also known as Parnate. Mm -hmm. I, I started reading and they have boxed warnings. Right? Mm -hmm. The boxed warning that we see with all antidepressants is uh, escalation of suicidal thinking. Right. But I was intrigued that some of these package inserts also said, by the way, only one had this warning, which was the hypertensive crisis, and that was uh, tranylcipramine. Mm -hmm. um, but also very clear in, in the packaging for these medications, one of the ones that I read said, this is not a first-line medication, don't use this first. Oh, right, right yeah. And, and so I think that's kind of interesting if, if you're ever coming up on questions on the shelf exam and it's, you know, introduction of treatment of depression and you're choosing between uh, an SSRI and a lot of other things, the, the clear wrong answer is an MAOI is the first line treatment. Right. MAOI is a more like third and fourth line after augmentation. So. Right. So if we're talking about the Texas um, Medication Algorithm Project, mm -hmm. TMAP, then we would say that they're way down the list, right? Mm -hmm. Did we cover the treatment algorithm already or is that something we're doing in the future? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll, we'll see how this goes, uh -huh. but maybe Thursday we'll have kind of a close-up and talk about now that we've addressed um, this range of medications, how would you use them in concert? What would maybe STEM questions look like based on the principles that we've talked about, mm -hmm. and how would we think about answering them? Yep. So that gives uh, our third-year students something to prepare for, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow, that was an evil fourth-year look you just threw that at me, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so highlights again. Hypertensive crisis caused by aged foods primarily, but essentially anything that has a biogenic amine that can knock norepinephrine, norepinephrine out, of the, uh, out of the synaptic vesicles and release into the bloodstream causing the hypertensive crisis. There's also some questions that I think are probably high yield about timing. For example, if you're on an SSRI and you want to start a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, how long do you wait? About two weeks. And if it's not, if it's Prozac, how long do you wait? Prozac, also known as fluoxetine. Because fluoxetine has uh, an exceptionally long half-life, you gotta wait four a month. Um, four a weeks. Month, yeah, I, I was thinking four weeks, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> that's my that's my recollection. Yes. So I think those are, are the high yield principles. Now let's talk about the medications themselves. So tranylcipramine, um, Parnate, I think is the, the name that it was associated with years ago. They've been generic medications now for a very long time. What do we need to know about tranylcipramine? Well, from the reading that I did, it seems that tranylcipramine of the list of four that I have here is most associated with hypertensive crisis and so definitely be on the lookout for that. There's some other safer options in the MOI class if, if that's what you're looking for. Interestingly enough, that was the only one that I found the packet or the boxed warning about with the hypertensive crisis. So um, perhaps that's not just lore. There must be some data behind that that led to that warning. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the second uh, MAOI that you found? Sledgling is a, is a relatively high yield MAOI. 
Right. Now this one is different than the other three that we're going to talk about. So it's different than tranalcipramine and the two that will follow. Mm -hmm. How is it different? Uh, so earlier we talked about MAOA and MAOB. Sledgeline seems to pref prefer MAOB, but can still inhibit MAOA in high enough doses. And so I believe this is why it is more popular, is because it seems a little safer by not inhibiting MAOA as much. I noticed that there's also another indication for this medication. It's not just indicated for the treatment of depression. Also Parkinson's. Yeah. And how does it do that? <laughs> so with the, the MAOB <coughs> uh, receptors, uh, you had mentioned, Brenner, earlier that uh, they mainly uh, break down or metabolize dopamine. Mm -hmm. um, and since the MAOBs are more classically found in the CNS, uh, we can use selegiline uh, as a way to augment and modulate the amount of dopamine that is uh, in concentration within the central nervous system. I believe that, if I, I could be wrong on this, but I think that selegiline is also indicated for restless leg syndrome. Um, we might want to check on that. But If anybody has a phone and can find that <coughs> immediately, we'll know shortly. I didn't see that. I saw the other two indications. Okay. But I think the, the main one that, that I've seen in clinic and, and throughout is uh, as an augment for, uh, Parkinson. yeah, for Parkinson's. Okay. Very good. Now, the, the thing that surprised me most, we're going to reach out to our chemists in the room here. And uh, it seems like Angelo... You might be one of our chemists, and uh, Natalie, as you guys may or may not know, is actually a chemistry major. I think that's something that you uh, let slip in one of these previous podcasts in right. any case. So um, reading the package information regarding selegiline, I came across a little section that sort of shocked me. And I asked you guys about it. I said, hey, uh, did anybody else see this little section about selegiline being metabolized into methamphetamine? Correct. And there was sort of this look of, what? <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of that before, but that's what the package insert seems to state, um, that it breaks down into metabolites that will eventually break down into methamphetamine. Um, so it has something to do with enantiomers and isomers. I'm actually not very good at that part of chemistry, but it seems like they become... Um, the L form? Yes, it? most biologically active enzymes are found in the L form, like L-DOPA, for example. So that was, um, that was, I, I was able for me to, I was able to deduce that the L form was the one that was the most act biologically active. And the, the enantiomer, or those are the enantiomers, um, then the R and S forms mm -hmm. are, are specifically referring to the uh, to the um, chiral carbon, so R being um, rotatory and S being the sinister, yeah, mm -hmm. sinistral form. And it seems like they break down into the R form. So, so primarily the R form, but it's an L levo rotatory versus dextro rotatory. So I think we came to the conclusion though that selegiline does break down into kind of methamphetamine that you might buy on the streets. <laughs> yeah. um, Which is crazy. Yeah, it'll trigger a drug test. But you have to be uh, you have to be aware of that if you go for a talk screen. Interesting. So I, things that you had no idea about and learned. So I thought that was one of the most interesting things about this molecule. Now this this um, this treatment seemed to open up some pathways for use of monoamine oxidase inhibitors that were harder to use before. And I, I'm still not sure that this molecule has really taken the, the world by storm, 
but it does seem to be that there's a type of depression that is described in the um, it's described in the package insert. So when you read what this these monoamine oxidase inhibitors seem to primarily help with, primarily help with, it's kind of language that goes back to the older DSMs. Do you remember reading about that, Brandon? The the type of description for the type of depression. I don't remember. All right. Well, let me see if I can see it right here, um, because it's a very it's a very specific kind of uh, discussion. It says, yeah. Indications and usage. For example, uh, the the last one of the other uh, monoamine oxidase inhibitors, uh, also known as Marplan. What's the what's the generic name for that? Do you remember? Isocarboxazide. Isocarboxazide. Yeah. Okay, so that one it says that it's indicated for the treatment of depression, but it's not a first choice. And it was um, it talks about things that sound sort of like. Um, dysthymia maybe as much as it sounds like the traditional um, symptoms of depression and do any of you guys remember the criteria for dysthymia off the top of your head because I don't over two years right it's the same as uh, what's that other name for it persistent persi persistent yeah, persistent uh, depressive disorder yeah is it not the is it not the same yeah I'm, I'm reaching way thing? back here but I, I believe that it's uh, similar uh, uh -huh. in that it's like a, a kind of like a low smoldering uh, depressive syndrome that's long term. Uh, I think depressive, persistent depressive disorder also um, can last for even longer, like sometimes five years or something, something like that. There's an extended period of time. Alrighty, I got it here. If you want me to go through it. Yeah, I'd love to have you go through that. Persistent depressive disorder is dysthymia, so I was right there. It's over uh, depressed mood over the period of two years. Um, poor appetite, low energy, insomnia. So it seems like ciggy caps over two years. But you only need at least two, so the criteria isn't quite as high as... As, as getting the five for MDD? Right. Okay. Now, I do think that they, they tend to talk about dysthymia a little bit differently, mm -hmm. like it seems to trend a specific way with the symptoms. Um, and I, it's something that I think I'm going to have to go and read. Um, I think of, of dysthymia as sort of like the Karen Carpenter song, rainy days and, and Mondays always get me down, right? Mm -hmm. Where somebody feels depressed not every day, they don't feel persistently down, but they have more days than not that are really uh, dragging on them. And one of the cartoon caricatures of, of dysthymia is that very low energy state that you might see with Eeyore, right? From, <laughs> from Winnie the Pooh, right? And that's the exact opposite that what you'd see with Tigger, who is, uh, might be a caricature of mania. <laughs> uh, so, let's see. What else? What other medications do we want to talk about, Brandon? Oh, for in the MMI class, let's see. We talked about sledgeline, phenylazine. Phenylazine. Not Nardil. Nardil. Mm -hmm. Anything we need to know about uh, phenylazine other than name recognition? No, not that I can think of. It's no. <laughs> okay. So then, just to summarize. Uh, Tranylcypramine seems to have the clearest statement in the package insert for hypertensive crisis, and it probably is the medication you'll see on the test. Mm -hmm. So tranylcypramine is the one that's most important for name recognition in terms of remembering the, the effect of, of uh, tyramine entering the gut through those inactivated um, monoamine oxidase uh, A 
enzymes. Now, interestingly enough, one of the package inserts described the effect of monoamine oxidase inhibitors as suicide to those enzymes, um, that they would essentially suicide themselves based on that. And I didn't understand that language, and I thought it was somewhat shocking that it would be in a package insert for treatment of depression. <laughs> right? It seemed like an odd choice of words. But uh, so, so the story then again, just very briefly, inhibition of monoamine oxidase, because of the two different types and the locations of those, you get different effects mm -hmm. from the more selective sledgeline versus the more general tranylcypramine, um, isocarboxazide, and phenylazine. phenylazine. And uh, the high yield is probably remember phenylazine and sledgeline being somewhat selective. Does that sound about right? Sounds good. All right, any other pearls or gems that you guys have picked up, principles that we should think about in terms of monoamine oxidase inhibitors before we call it a, uh, a podcast? No. No. Nope. like we covered it. All right, guys, on that note, team out. Team, team out. out. Team out. <laughs>